0: Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. ...that I believe have, have the ability to set you free and to bring freedom into your world and dislodge you wherever you may find yourself and you're not moving forward, amen? And I'm not going to speak on my own authority. What we're going to do is we're going to go to the Apostle Paul who in his great ministry, I think, exemplifies the kind of faith that perhaps many few of us will ever attain to but at least we can look at how he approached this idea of getting unstuck in philippians 1:12 and so in the scripture paul is writing to a church that he dearly loves It's a church that he started many years ago before he writes this letter to them, and he's been preaching in the area. Because he's been preaching, no one likes him very much, so they've thrown him in jail, they've put him in chains, they've persecuted him, they've mistreated him, and so it's out of that place he then sends this letter and he writes this to his brothers and sisters in Philippi. And so we're going to kick off in Philippians 1, verse 12 to 26. I want you to come along with me, and it says in verse 12... Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I, and this is a really strange phrase, I had to read this a couple of times to make sure I wasn't reading it wrong, but he goes, that I am in chains for Christ, that I'm in chains for Jesus And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Verse 15 It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I know I need to stop reading and start preaching, but this is so good, so I'm going to keep going. Verse 22, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Are but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Now, I need your help. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to give them the title of my message this morning. I want you to tell them, I am not a hostage. Well, you didn't say that with conviction. I don't think they believe you. So what you got to do is turn to the other person that you really want to talk to on the other side and tell them I am not a hostage. <laughs> and it's so important that we get this right. You see, Paul at the stage of his life, you've got to understand, he's reached this level of, of progress where he no longer really cares about what people think of him. Okay, because he's, he's just really speaking unfiltered. He's a little bit older now, and he's been through some things, so he's not really wanting to tell you what you want to hear, right? He's got this kind of senior swag and maturity to himself when he gets to Philippians because he's like, guys, you know what? I need you to listen to me because I've been through some things. Since that day on the road in Damascus, I've gone through some stuff. I've had some challenges. I've matured just a little bit, through the beatings and the shipwrecks and everything else. And so I want you to hear what I'm saying. And the interesting thing is he's writing to people that are really wondering how he's going, wondering what's happening to him in prison. It's interesting. I thought you might find this interesting. Many biblical scholars believe that Philippians is actually the happiest book written in the Bible. The happiest book, right? So here is the happiest book in the Bible written by an author who's under chains in jail persecuted, mistreated, you kind of go, hang on, that doesn't make sense. But what that tells me is this. Perhaps Paul knows something, just a little bit, about a faith that's not actually dependent upon your situation. And the reason I say that is because this is what he says in verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, about what happened to me But then he doesn't say anything else about what actually happened to him. If you read that, he says nothing more. He doesn't give any indication about maybe what the food's like in prison, maybe how his living quarters have been arranged, how the guards are treating him. He does not say anything about when he's expecting to be released or when he's going to be able to see his brothers and sisters. And the people are worried about this because Paul is very important to the progress of the gospel In this season, right? Paul is the one who can carry the gospel in a way that only Paul can carry it, right? And so while Paul's away, the gospel isn't really getting out there with the same momentum, with the same velocity. It's like while Paul's missing in action, they've had to shut down his Instagram account, right? He can no longer stream on Facebook, right? And so it's not good, but Paul says this no, 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 actually. Everybody say actually. Actually. It's an interesting word because he says, what has happened to me, what's happening to me now is actually serving to advance the gospel. I want to tell you something, when you can get a point in your life where you look at your challenges and struggles and you can say, hang on, this is tough, but actually, actually is the tipping point in your life where you can start to look through fear and frustration and see faith on the other side, right? Actually is that place where in despite of everything that comes at you, you've placed your hope in something greater than your situation you're hearing me this morning and the the, the word paul uses for advancing here isn't a word that kind of means to just casually and nicely, smoothly roll along like you think the will of God often would in your life. The word Paul chooses to use you for advance is actually to strive and to push through and to take ground and make progress in the face of severe opposition. So what he's saying is this, I could spend a whole letter telling you all about the horrible things that are happening to me in prison, or, and this is what I choose to do, I could spend the rest of my letter telling you about how what is happening to me is actually advancing the kingdom of God, right? In other words, what he's saying is I'm more interested in focusing on what God is doing to me and through me, in me and through me, than what is actually happening to me. You're hearing what I'm saying this morning, church, because so many of us All we want to do is continually tell people about all the things that are happening to us, right? And it seems to me that we orientate a lot of our prayer life about God, get me out of this situation. But let me put something to you this morning, church. What if? What if God is more interested in changing you than changing your situation? Let me say that again. What if God is more interested in changing you then changing your situation. Is you it because I mean Paul's like, man, it would be cool, it would be awesome, right? If I could get out of this place and come and see you. But while I'm here, God has something for me to do. God has something for me to do. And this is an interpretation that requires faith to look at what you're going to and understand that it's about more than just what you're feeling in the moment. Amen? It's more about then what you're just feeling in the moments. And in fact, sometimes God will use the very situations that you would pray away to do something in you that He will only do in you in those situations you don't want to be in. Did you get that this morning, church? Right? And so I heard about a story a long time ago about a little old lady. She's very poor, didn't have a lot, but she had great faith and she loved God, and she lived a simple life, again, didn't have much, and she would often go outside her house into her garden, and she would bear there singing, and praising, and worshiping God in her own little way, and she had a neighbor that lived next door to her, who was an atheist, and he hated God, and he even hated the idea that this little old lady had of God, and so one day she's out there, and she's singing, and she's humming away, and she's doing her thing, and he overhears, and he goes, right, today's the day I'm going to prove to this old lady, once and for all, that her God does not exist. And so what he did, knowing that she didn't have much, she was quite poor, he went out to the supermarket and he bought three big bags of groceries. He brought them around to the front of her house, left them on her doorstep, knocked on the door, and then went and hid to see what her reaction would be when she opened the door. And so true to the story, she comes to the door, opens it up, and there she sees these bags of groceries. And Obviously seeing them, she gets so excited, she gets so happy, that she begins to shout out and declare, God, you are so good, thank you, I love you, God, you did it, God, you did it, God, you did it, and over and over and over, she just kept proclaiming, God, you've done it, God, you've done it, God, you've done it. By the 75th time she proclaimed that, this atheist couldn't stand it anymore, and he came out from hiding, and he walked straight up to her on the front porch, and he said, lady, I want you to listen to me, your God did not do this, I did it your God does not exist. I bought you these groceries, and almost unfazed, this lady kept proclaiming, God, you're wonderful, God, you're amazing, I love you, you did it, you did it. Now he's getting really angry. So he gets into his pocket, and he pulls out the receipt, and he goes, look, and he waves it in her face, and he says, this proves your God doesn't exist. I bought you these groceries, stop praising your God, He does not exist. At which time, This little old lady takes a breath, looks at him with a smile on her face and says, Sir, you got to understand one thing. My God did it, and he just made the devil pay for it. Amen. Can I get an amen? Come on. What am I trying to say, church? I'm trying to say this. Some of the stuff that's happening in your life right now that doesn't feel good, somebody's got to say, actually. Somebody say, actually, this morning. Actually. On the surface, it looks like this thing's going to take me out, right? On the surface, I wish it didn't hurt so bad. On the surface, I wish you didn't break up with me. Well, maybe the reason he or she broke up with you is because God knows you need an upgrade. Amen? Maybe God knows you're settling for something less in your life. Paul says, actually, and it's such an interesting interpretation, isn't it? Because he's saying, I'm in chains for Christ, I know it looks like I'm in a dungeon and I'm chained to these guards, but in fact, I want you to hear me, brothers and sisters, these guards are chained to me. This situation is chained to me. So I'm in here and I'm preaching, and I don't worry want you to worry about good old Paul. I want you to actually stop circulating those letters trying to get me out of jail. I wonder, can we say the same thing sometimes? about those hard situations we find ourselves in, in life? Or are we too busy praying all the time, God, just get me out of stuff, right? God, I need a new job. Get me out now. God, I need a new husband. Don't look at him. It's awkward, I know. God, help me, right? But the reality is sometimes we're too busy praying, God, get me out, that we miss the fact and opportunity God is actually trying to get in to your situation where you're at, Amen. God is actually trying to get in. He wants to get into whatever the frustration is you're feeling. He wants to get into that moment where you feel the pain, right, where you feel the disappointment, where you feel the loneliness, because sometimes it's at that greatest point of despair and frustration. I know you've been there where you've tried everything, and there's nothing left to do, and all you can do is go, God, I yield. God, I just give up. God, I can only lift my hands and say, I don't know what to do. Can I tell you, that is the moment God wants to intervene in your life. That is the moment God wants to take you in his hands and put you on his potter's wheel. Because like clay that is soft and yielding to the hand of God, he can form you. He can begin to reshape you. He can rebuild you. Why? So that your ability to carry the presence of heaven and the presence of God is enlarged. Amen. It's enlarged. Are people going to keep jumping around from one church to the next every couple of years, moving from one dysfunctional relationship to a next? Hello? Or do we ever stop and actually ask ourselves this question in the season, God, what is it that you are wanting to do in my life in this season right now? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. See, because Paul's reached that point in his life, and I hope that I can get there one day. I'm not there yet, but he's got his priorities straight because he says this in his letter. He says, I want you to understand something. I have not been put in this prison by Caesar. I haven't been thrown in this jail by people. I have been put in here for a divine opportunity, and while I'm here, I'm sure as heck going to walk it out. I'm not a hostage. Amen? I'm not a hostage. I'm not a hostage to how I feel, right? I'm not a hostage to what I want, I'm not a hostage to what I need to understand to trust God, because I don't need to understand everything to trust God. In fact, if I can understand everything, why do we need faith, church? Amen? I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. I might have been thrown in here by people, but this is what you will learn very quickly about God. What people in your life would mean to harm you, God will take it and He will use it for the good. Amen? So I'm not a hostage to what people think about me. This is for the younger people in the house. I'm not a hostage to popularity. I'm not a hostage to having to be liked by everyone. In fact, what I want you to do for me when the time comes is go to your 10 or 15 year high school reunion, right? Because you know what? I went to mine and what I figured out was all those people I was trying so badly to impress all those years ago, when I got there, I couldn't remember half their names, to be honest, I couldn't. And all the stories I was hearing about them painted a pretty sad picture of their lives. No one was really happy, right? And you know how I can tell Paul has reached a stage in his life where he's not a hostage. It's because of what he says. And what he says has become probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible right now. Now, if you, if you are in church or you've been in church for a while, you'll probably hear people talking about their favorite Bible verse, right? People who have been in church a long time, we've all got our favorite Bible verses, If you haven't been in church for a long time, let me just do a side promo here. C3 Noosa is a church that welcomes people that haven't been in church a long time. Amen. In fact, I want to say something. Travelling in this church for the last five, six years, C3 Noosa is a church that was built to welcome people that haven't been in church a long time. Amen. But if you hang around with us a little bit, you'll probably hear people talking about their favorite Bible verses. Maybe John 3.16, Galatians 2.20, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in church, if anyone is in church, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, right? They're great, but what's the problem with them? They're all being used up, right? Everyone uses them. They're on bumper stickers. They're in bookmarks. Everyone's got them. So this scripture I want to give you is a goodie. No one uses it, but it's here in the Bible. Paul says it straight in the text, and what he's doing is he's going, guys, you know what? Some people like me, some people don't like me, right? Some people hate me, some people love me. It's almost like he's reading his Facebook feed in, in jail, right? You know, some people think that I'm awesome, some people think I'm terrible. But in the face of all of that frustration and all that stuff coming at him, he simply says this in verse 18, he says, But what does it matter? What does it matter? Can I tell you something? If you would just get that on the inside of you, So much stress in your life would go away. That's not even the full verse, actually. That's just a portion of scripture. What does it matter? If you would get that on the inside of you, the cortisol levels in your body would come down enough that you can actually sleep at night and stop worrying about everything that's going on around you because this is how crazy it is. God says this in His Word I neither sleep nor slumber, but I continually watch over your life. So here's my thinking if God's not sleeping, If he's got the night watch in my life, if he's saying, Justin, I am not sleeping, I'm never slumbering, I'm continually watching over your life, then I sure as hell might as well close my eyes at night and get some sleep, because God's got my back. Amen? Amen? Come on, church. You know, a couple of years ago, they had those bracelets, WWJD. What would Jesus do, right? Well, I'm going to make a new bracelet, right? It's going to be called WDIM. What does it matter? And I'm going to look at it all the time. And I'm going to show it to people when they start saying stupid things, but then I'm going to purpose in my life this, I'm going to be purposeful in my life to pray for those around me this, God, that people would not steal their joy, that they would stop trying to impress people that did not die for them, that they would stop trying to be liked by everyone, God, but that they would know your love and that when the the seas and the storms rage in their life, they would lock on to what really matters, And that's you, because when we lock on to Christ and we understand that His love covers all guilt and shame, then we understand we serve a God who can do the impossible in our life. Amen? Amen. What does it matter? What does it matter? In fact, Paul takes it a a step further. He says, not only am I not a hostage to what I feel, but I'm also not a hostage to what I expect. Here's the deal. Some of us cannot actually receive what God is trying to give us, because we're holding on white-knuckled to our own expectation of how God's going to deliver what He wants to give us. Amen? But Paul says, no, 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 I'm not a a hostage to my expectations. I'm not going to be held hostage to my plan of what God's going to do, because I'm committed to the purposes of God. Amen? I'm committed. Somebody say it with me, "I'm I'm not a hostage. I'm not a hostage. I'm not a hostage. I'm a weapon formed in the hands of God, aimed at the darkness, designed to do good works in Christ Jesus. And this is his interpretation. He's saying, guys, what does it matter? For some of you, I need you to tune into that radio station this week, WDIM, right? Because for too long, you've been listening to the wrong frequencies, the wrong voices in your life that are causing you needless anxiety and sleepless nights, causing you to rehash and go over your past, looking over your shoulder, rehearsing and rethinking about all the things that coulda, woulda, shoulda, but have not happened. And you're getting all turned up and twisted inside and living with regret about what you never did or should have done. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. What does it matter? What does it matter? And the import- he goes on, he says, the important thing is this. And I want you to hear me this morning, church. Whatever you put after that phrase, the important thing is, whatever comes next, that's where your joy is going to meet you. That's where your joy is connected to, right? So for Paul, he's saying, you know what? The important thing is Christ is preached. And I wonder how many of us have really figured out what that important thing is in our lives. Whatever comes next, if it's money, guess what? Your joy is going to be attached to your money. When money's up, joy's up, whoo. When money's down, joy's down, right? Amen? The important thing is, if you put a human being and their perception and ability to like you and what they think of you next to that, can I tell you, you will never have consistent joy in your life. The important thing is, right? The important thing is, Paul says, that the purpose of God is going forward. So even if I'm in this prison, don't feel sorry for, myself, for me because God's using this too. This too. This too. Often the pain that we would pray away, often those dysfunctions about ourselves that we think, God, if you would just listen to me and take them away, I could be so much more useful to you, right? All those things we don't like about ourselves that we feel disqualifies us from being used in the kingdom of God. God says, no, I want you to understand something. I've made you so that in your weakness, my strength's perfected. When you're raging against yourself, I want you to stop and understand by faith that I've designed you so that I can use you at your weakest point so that my name is glorified and not yours. But you've got to let me, amen? So here's the deal. If the situation doesn't change, if my kids are not coming home, if I can't find that job, if I'm struggling to break the habit, if I can't fight off the depression, God, if my situation doesn't change, God, change me. God, change me. Use me. Because Paul says, you know what? I'm in these chains right now. I'm chained up to my eyeballs right now in jail. But if I can't get out of these chains, if these chains can be used to change someone else's life, God, use these chains. God, use these chains. Don't re- if you're not going to remove them right now, God, use them. Use them, amen? Use them. Use them in the season of my life right now, how you see fit. Because that's what matters to me. You know what? And I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. One day I would look at the situations and challenges in my life through the lens of God's love and God's purpose. And declare, God, if you're not changing the situation right now, then change me. Show me what it is that you want to do in my life right now in this season. So I want to shift it up a little bit. Paul's saying all this. It's all great. But then he, he shifts it up. Everybody say Shift. Shift happens right, Shift happens in life, so this is a letter that Paul is writing to a people that he loves, and they 're circulating this letter around Philippi, and they gather together and they go and the knock on the door of a lady by the name of Lydia. Lydia was probably one of the earlier follow- earliest followers of Paul after his conversion, probably one of the earliest contributors to the church at the time, and they get into a house, and they all gathered there Christian to hear news of Paul, what's happening to Paul, when's he getting out, when are we going to see him again, let's keep believing he's coming out, the irony is the letter they're holding in their hand while they're discussing this, Paul's saying, I want you to stop doing this because I'm already out, I'm already out, I may still be in prison, but my spirit's free, my situation hasn't changed yet, but my spirit's free, my feet are in chains, but my mind is free, amen, amen, My mind is free. So we go from interpretation, which is the first dynamic of faith, to anticipation. And it's weird because Paul doesn't actually know the outcome for him yet. Right? Because he says in his word this, he says, uh, I might live, I might die. I might go see Jesus, I might, might be stuck here with you guys. Either way, whether I do or I don't, I'm good, I'm not a hostage. God's going to do something with me over here, God's going to do something with me over there. If He takes me, awesome, I've been faithful, I've finished what He's called me to do. If He doesn't and I have to stick around with you monkeys for a bit longer, that's okay because there's more for me to do for your benefit, alright? So He's shifting from interpretation, how He's interpreted His situation, and He's now going to step into anticipation or expectancy. So I want you to help me with this, what we're going to do is we're going to count the number of times in the next eight verses, Paul says the word, will all right, will, because will, what's the deal with will? Will is a word that connects to your expectation and your anticipation, right? When I come home from work every day, I know that I'm going to walk through the doors of my house and I will see my wife and kids. There's an anticipation and expectation, regardless of the process and the journey to my house, when I walk through the doors, I'm going to see my family, right? When I get up in the morning and I go to work, on certain days I will have a meeting. I'm going to get to work and I know when I get there, I'm anticipating and expecting a meeting is going to happen. So here we go. Second half of verse 18, I want you to count with me. Paul says this, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. for now, For I now know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live Is Christ to die gain? If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me, eight verses, nine times, so what? Well, you got to understand, Paul doesn't have the kind of faith that is dependent on the outcome, all right? Some of us have faith that is held hostage to the outcome. If we can feel the outcome, if we can see the progress, feel the progress, man, we're in, we're sold in, upwards and onwards for Jesus, amen. But Paul's saying, no, no, I'm not, I'm not held hostage, my faith is not held hostage to the outcome of this, my faith is in the process. I'm trusting God rather in the process than the end of the journey. Amen. I'm trusting God in the journey. You see, because some of us we walk by sight, right? We walk by what we see, what we feel, what we know. So if we don't see the progress, what do we do? We stop coming to church. If we don't see the progress, we stop going to the gym. If we don't see the progress, we stop praying. If we don't get that healing the way we thought we would. All of a sudden, our sense of confidence in the goodness of God seems to diminish, right? But Paul, what's he saying? Well, he does something that only you can do when you're an apostle. He just makes up a word, and he puts it in the Bible, right? Just like that, he makes it up, he puts it in the Bible, in verse 20, and in English, it takes a few words to say this, but he says, in the face of all of this, this is what I do. I eagerly expect and I hope Amen? I eagerly expect and I hope. In the Greek, it's all one word, and it's not used anywhere else but one other time in the Bible by Paul, and so he's sitting there in prison, and he's like, I know God's doing something. I'm eagerly expecting and hoping. I'm trusting him in this process. He may not get me out. He could, but he may not. Either way, it's all good because I trust in the goodness of my God that all things work together for my good. He's trusting in the process, right? So I'm here, but I'm not really confined to the situation because my God is bigger than my situation, right? I'm here, but my hope is not in my situation. My hope is in Him. And so I eagerly expect and I hope, and He makes up a word, and the word in Greek is apokaradokia. Can you say that with me, church? Apokaradokia, right? It's three words. The prefix apo, everyone say apo. It means to turn away, ignoring other interests. Ooh, Pastor Melissa, we could have a whole series just on that. Turning away, ignoring things in your life that add no value to your life. Ignoring things that are causing damage in your life. Ignoring things that you're chasing after, but they're only temporary. No, no, no. Paul's saying, no, no, we've got to turn away from that. We've got to, turn, we've got to start focusing on things that are going to actually going to last in our life, that have eternal purpose in our life. I want to tell you there's not a season for you to compare your life to that of someone else's. Right, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about the curse of comparison. So often we take the mundane, routine things of our life, and in a moment we compare it to someone else's highlight reel, and no wonder we get so depressed, right? We've got to stop comparing, church. We've got to start placing our hope in something far greater than somebody else's highlight reel in a moment. Amen? Amen? Everybody say, Kara. Kara, it just means head, that's all it means. And here you're going to love this, it means to stretch forward. So what Paul is saying, apokaradokia, I'm turning my head away, turning away, ignoring interests that are not good for me, because I could focus on what people are saying about me, I could focus on all the times I've been hard done by, I could focus on the things that should have happened but never did, the promises people made and never came through, I mean, did you know what they've done to me, have you heard what people have said about me, I wouldn't be in this situation if you hadn't been so stupid, I told him not to do this or buy this, he did it anyway, now look where we're at. Paul's saying, no, 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 you've got to, you've got to open up a can of apicaridokia in your situations. You've got to learn to turn your head and rather stretch forward in expectation to a God of faith and go, you know what, God? In a moment, you can get me out of the situation. In a moment, you can change things. God, I'm not going to look back at my past. I'm not going to look back at what happened behind me, right? And as soon as the enemy starts reminding you of your past, you've got to point to the righteousness that you have in Christ Jesus, The challenge is some of us have our heads so far up our pasts, we've actually gone missing. Amen. We're actually not there anymore. We're too busy looking at that woulda, coulda, shoulda. But but Paul's saying, guys, healing doesn't come from that position in life. Healing comes as we turn away and we begin to stretch our heads forward and look with expectancy and faith. Amen. You see, Paul could have. The dialogue in prison for Paul could have been, God, what are you doing? Why are you leaving me now? I don't understand. After everything that we've been through, I can't figure this out. But instead, he says, no, no, no. What does it matter? The important thing is that all things work together. So if it takes these chains to change me, God, use these chains. If it takes these chains in my life to change someone else's life, then use them. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up if we can. And while we do that, I might just ask us to stand this morning. I want to pray with everyone. Maybe you've been listening to that message, and it's kind of rung true for you, and it's resonated with you, as I said at the beginning. Maybe you find yourself in a situation or challenges that you have prayed and prayed and prayed God, you've got to do something. You've got to get me out. There's got to be a way out. There's got to be a way out. God, help me. I don't understand. I'm so confused. This doesn't line up with what I thought. My expectations seem to have been wrong. And we get ourselves into so much confusion and frustration at what we thought God was going to do or should do, and He's not doing it. And round and round we go. But I want to encourage you, if that's you this morning to try something different. To maybe say, God, I've been praying, I've been praying, but it just doesn't feel like this is shifting. God, if you need to use these chains in my life, use them. If you need to do something in my life, could you show me? Could you speak to me? Could you just give me some indication of what that is? If right now the situation I'm in in my life can be used to glorify your name, to transform me, to touch and change the life of someone else, then God, I don't want to keep talking. I want to come before your altar surrendered, and I want to ask that you would just impart your word into my life and you would show me what it is in this season. You see, sometimes, church, we're not stuck. We're positioned for God to do a work in our life. Sometimes we're not stuck. We're simply positioned. God says, I have you right where I want you. Because I want to do a work in you that can only be done in the situation you're in. If you would just lift your hands, surrender to me. For some of you, I think the word this morning is this. You're not chained to your situation, my friend. Your situation is chained to you. You're not changed to your situation. Your situation is chained to you. God used them. So right now, just while the worship team are worshiping, I just get such a sense of the presence of God, and I feel that He wants to encourage you, and He wants to speak into your heart and speak into your spirit this morning. If that's you right now, No one's looking around. Can you just say, Justin, would you just pray with me this morning? Just lift your hand. No one's looking around. I just want to pray with you right now in this place. Just say, Justin, would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, we come to you in the name of Jesus thank you that you are a loving God. You are full of grace and mercy. God, and I thank you that your desire is that we will be transformed into the image of your Son, Jesus. Father, whatever situation or circumstances we may find ourselves in, yes, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see your hand in the midst of it. Whatever it is that we're walking through, whatever it is that we're praying through, God, whatever it is that we're struggling with, Lord, I pray that in a moment, your voice will become clear in our hearts. Open our eyes to see the work that you are doing on the inside of us. Open our eyes to see the opportunities that you have in the life of others around us. Father, thank you. That we can walk out of this place and declare, God, while I'm here, I'm going to do whatever it is that you've called me to do. Can we just lift our hands this morning? Father, as every hand is lifted in this place. God, right now, I pray for an impartation of your Holy Spirit. Right now, God, that you would move from the left to the right across this place like a wind, God, and I pray that you would begin to speak right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, God, I pray that you would speak into the hearts of every person here, whatever that situation is, God, bring clarity, God, open eyes, open minds, open hearts right now in this house, God, show people, show people, Father, right now, show people, Lord, show people, thank you, Father. You know, I just sense the Spirit of God is in this place. And He wants to take weights off that you've been carrying, you don't need to carry anymore. So if that's you, why don't you just begin in your own time, your own space, just declare that. Lay that down. Father, right now, whatever it is, the world, the enemy, expectation, accusation, labeling, whatever it is that has been placed on the shoulders of people in this house, weighing them down, causing them to be immobile, causing them to stay in their place of regret and fear, not moving forward. God, right now, I pray for a release. Father, right now, we break that mantle over lives this morning in the house of God. Father, that people would walk out of here feeling free. People would walk out of here feeling empowered. People would walk out of here knowing that heaven is on their side right now. Thank you, God.